Welcome to the Daily Podcast. We've been your host, Isaac Kester. Today we will be talking about Emmett Till, a subject that will always and forever haunt American history. So, let's get to the facts. Emmett Till was born in 1941, a young African-American boy born in Chicago that was unfortunately killed and murdered by two white men in Mississippi years later. So the reason why we're bringing this up today, you know, it's almost February. Um, Black History Month is right around the corner. And this subject right here is just a very, very different one than we've seen from other cases. Um, we can see facts are that he was murdered, but court cases show that the murderers were acquitted. Um, they weren't they were given a short trial, uh, lasted only 62 minutes, exactly, and 67 minutes, sorry, my correction, but it seems like we always have to revisit the facts on this one, just because I there's two different points of view here. You have the point of view of, obviously, Emmett Till and his family, and you have the point of view of the family of um, Miss... Miss Bryant, sorry. Uh, you have the point of view of Miss Bryant. And I'm going to speak on both accounts of today. Um, let's start with, uh, we're going to start with Emmett Till and his family point of view. Their point of view is that Emmett Till was a young African-American boy, um, born with a stutter. Didn't really, he didn't, he wasn't a horrible child. He was a very good young boy, did his, did his chores. Did his work, went to school, had good grades. Classmates remembered him as a good classmate and all that. But one day he wanted to go down to Mississippi with his uncle and his cousins. And his mother reluctantly let him go. Um, but she always reminded him how the South is very was very much different than where they lived in Chicago. Obviously Chicago back in the 70s and during that racial time, it was it was different in the South, obviously, because the North was more accepted, more accepted of African Americans than the South was. Um, but not all places in the South were terrible, terrible. But Mississippi, obviously, was known for some very hateful racial crimes. And when he went down to Mississippi. He was visiting, and his him and his cousins were going to, the count say he was going to some type of grocery store slash meat market to buy some refreshments um, after picking up cotton some one afternoon during the summer. Um, there are no factual accounts of what happened actually in the store. People say that he bought purchased bubblegum, and... This is where it gets a little vague in the sense where people will say that he he was accused of whistling at, either flirting with, or touching the hand of the store's female clerk, and she was the owner of obviously Caroline Bryant, Miss Mr. Bryant's wife. And later that day, now this has come from Carolyn's point of view. Carolyn went home and told her husband that she was physically and slash emotionally assaulted by this young African-American boy who had, I guess, 
she had said stepped out of line by touching slash whistling or flirting at her. And Roy Bryant, Caroline's husband, was very much offended of this. And he thought the right of action was for this boy to kidnap him and to hurt him and to make him suffer and obviously kill him for what he had did to his to his wife. And from his point of view, I guess you could say he's right in the sense that, yeah, because in the 70s, white people thought they were superior than black people. And obviously in the civil rights movement, civil war, they all thought that too. But there's obviously different ways of this handling, but Roy Bryant learned that he's a white male, even if he was found or caught of doing this action, he wasn't going to be he wasn't going to be charged with anything. Even if he was, he was gonna get a light charge anyway. So Roy Bryant later up that day called up uh um his uh Caroline's half Bryant half brother Moses Wright and not Moses Wright, Moses Wright is the uncle. Um Mr sorry, J. W. Millum was Caroline's half-brother, and they, around 2.30, account from police reports, say they went to Moses Wright's home, which is um, Emmett's uncle's house. They took, they kidnapped him from the house. Uh, they beat the teenager brutally. They dragged him to the bank of the Tallahatchie River and shot him in the head and tied him with a barbed wire to a large metal fan and shoved his mutilated body into the water. So, around... 8.30 that day, that's from the police report, remind me. Later that day, around 6.30, 7 o'clock, Moses got home and reported that his son was missing, his his nephew was missing, sorry, to the local authority. And they didn't, for the next three days, they didn't find anything until that, on that third day around, I want to say, one, and then one in the afternoon, uh, Cops found that his body was in the river and they pulled it out. His face was mutilated, so they didn't know if that was really him. They found the body. But when Wright went down to the police station later that day, he was he positively identified him as his as Emmett Till because of the engraved uh the engraved uh ring with his father's initials LT on it. So after that, after all that, they had a big open, the mother decided to have an open casket funeral to show the world what had been done to her son. She quoted later, years later on a, on a radio show that she had to let the world see what has happened because there is no way I could describe this. I needed somebody to help me tell me what it was like. Um, now, from in 2020, Till's casket is now on display at the Smithsonian Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. To be seen, obviously not the body, but the casket is. Um, so the trial was a very weird, awkward trial in the sense that the jurors knew that they weren't going to, they had to listen to what the family had to say, but they knew that they weren't going to be, um, they weren't going to be charged with anything because, or if they were, it was going to be something like like a fine or a small, because they were white supremacists back in the 70s, that, back in the 70s, 60s, and 50s, like, that 
this didn't happen. And remind you, this incident happened in the 50s, the late 50s. So, but I'm just saying like 70s, 50s, 70s, 70s 60s, 50s, the whole 1900s basically up until you get to at least the 90s that black people were being treated a lot differently than their peers. So the case was that they went to court on September 19th, 1955, and blacks weren't allowed to be serving jury duty and neither were women. So it was just before an all-white, all-male jury, which obviously favors Bryant and Millam because they know these, these other white people don't want to see them get in jail for what they, what they did. So it only took 67 minutes for the deliberations um, there was overwhelming evidence that they were so guilty and there were outside crimes outside of Mississippi that they needed to go to jail and for life, most likely. But the male journalists acquitted Brian and Millen of all their charges and they were sent home free that day on September the 23rd. Only, what, what is that, four days? Like, that's terrible. And that's where... This point of view of the family is like you let, took four days and like the real after presenting all these facts that were like overwhelming overwhelming that they should have been put in prison for the rest of their life and other people from outside of mississippi asking for them to be put in jail and still nothing's being done like it, this is what you see today and 2019 and 20, 2018 and actually now we just into 2020 so nothing really happened but where you see all these overwhelming facts that like these police officers like in these police brutality cases where it's a white police officer versus a black black person being either killed shot hurt damaged or like all this overwhelming evidence and that you still all they do is what lose their job like no like or in some cases they don't even lose their job they just lose pay for a week or so like it's overwhelming evidence that where the family is trying to change the fact like this is just this is terrible and what has happened to their son like now he's just like what died in vain and nothing's changed like over the past what 40 years nothing has still changed everything's still in favor for the white majority it's just terrible but there was an interview done later um where the family tried to visit uh, Caroline um, Bryant in her house, and obviously she refused to interview, didn't want to be interviewed, and the husband, Roy, didn't um, want to be interviewed. He told people to get off their property and all that stuff. But I, it's a hard case because it, you don't, there's really no support for what the Bryants did, whether Caroline... To be honest with you, Caroline probably did She probably had nothing done to her. If he whistled at her, like, who cares? If he touched her, like, who? I know, like, back in the 50s, like, white people were like, that's disgusting and all that, but, like, who really cares? Like, I obviously, I'm talking from, like, today's standards. Like, who really cares? But, like, you had to go kill the, you had to go kill him just because he, we obviously, the day, we don't know if he whistled, kissed her, not kissed, whistled, touched or flirted at, but like, you had to kill uh, what, a 15 year old boy for doing that, that had done nothing wrong, that had no previous history, which I just find terrible. Um, 
the Supreme Court never took part of this. Um, never did anything, never took on the case. Uh, we have some facts here from a 2007 interview. Uh, Emmett Till's accuser, Caroline Bryant, she divorced her husband and remarried. Said that she admitted that she had lied about Till making advances to her. So I don't know if this is like her trying to like trying to get rid of the guilt, but and she admitted that she had lied. So you just killed a fifteen-year-old African-American male for no reason, which is obviously terrible. Um, but in the summer of 2018, the Justice Department re- uh, reopened the investigation for they're trying to find new discovery of new information. Um, so. Right now, we're just at this standstill with this case. Nothing's really shown or anything different, but this is just another... This case really resembles what's happened in the past 20-plus years in American society with African-Americans and police officers in the sense of just being shot and killed for no apparent reason and then when we try to take them to court to, for the injustice that they've done, it's nothing done with it. And they've always had this... I know things are different where obviously African Americans and females can be jurors, but it's in the sense now like all these, there's all the majority is still white male jurors, or at least male white jurors, in these in these police officer cases. You have the sense of Freddie Gray, you have the senses of um, Kayvon Martin, who obviously uh, what's his name Zimmerman, obviously he was completely guilty. You have all these overwhelming evidence, and still nothing has been done about it. Which is terrible, but like I said, there's no. I gave you a little point of view of um, the Bryant side, but it's really there's nothing really you could defend them on because it's so much overwhelming evidence that there's no support for them. Um, so you can hit me on this line at four zero five two one and zero 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 if you have anyone to call in, challenge, or have any inputs on what I just presented today on today's uh, podcast, you know, you can just uh, hit us up on, or you can email us at thegreatestpodcast underscore one at gmail.com, you know, you can hit us up, Um, but that's all for today, guys, you know, just another great podcast, just wanted to present some facts that something was, was on my mind that I had read last night, and Until tomorrow at 10 o'clock, sharp. We'll see you next time. Bye.